So what if instead of focusing on trying to figure out alcohol, you tried to figure out yourself. You learned how to do all of the things that you think alcohol is doing for you, but better. You tapped into really understanding what the messages from your body meant and how to use your emotions to your advantage and how to really expand your desires to get what it is you finally really want and have real, lasting, sustainable pleasure. That is possible for you, and it is all available to you in the self-study course, The Naturally Sober Woman. It is everything that I teach my one-on-one clients, but it is compact for you, lifetime access on demand at a super affordable price available to you right now. You're going to go to my website, marywagstaffcoach.com, right there. It'll say self-study course or follow the link in the show notes right here. Get in there. One short video, just the welcome ceremony. There's a commence, a beautiful commencement ceremony that really anchors you into your intention for wanting to make this change into your life will change your life forever. It'll put you on a trajectory of new possibility because the bigger your desire is, the easier it's going to be to say goodbye to alcohol. So go on over to my website, get inside of the Naturally Sober Woman, and I will see you in there. Welcome, welcome. My name is Mary Wagstaff. I am a holistic alcohol coach who ended a 20-year relationship to alcohol without labels, counting days, or ever making excuses. Now I help women just like you from around the world do the same with my one-on-one private coaching program. In this podcast, we will explore my revolutionary approach to getting alcohol out of your way that breaks all the rules, life-enhancing tools that make not drinking exciting and joyful, and the profound and sacred journey that it is to rediscover who you are on the other side of alcohol. This show is not a substitution for rehabilitation, medical treatment, or advice, so please talk to a medical professional if your alcohol consumption is at risk to your mental or physical health. Now on with the show. Welcome back, my beautiful listeners. Thank you so much for being here for another episode of Stop Drinking and Start Living. We have a super exciting guest on today, something like we've never had before. It's actually the only time that I've had a self-identified male on the show and one of a younger generation. So I wanted to welcome the great and powerful to the show today. Thank you so much for being here, great and powerful. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's great to be here too. Yeah. So I just wanted to start a little bit by, if you could just tell the listeners a little bit about you, um, your age, the kind of like school that you go to and what you do on your free time, like anything interesting about you um, that you want to share. Well, I am 16 and I go to a engineering school currently. It's kind of an engineering to technical school. And as that might imply, I enjoy building stuff in my free time and doing stuff of that nature. I think that sums it up pretty well. <laughs> awesome. What's the uh, the coolest project that you've worked on lately? Well, I did a painting project for my snowboard career recently that I really enjoyed. Um, and I've done a couple of other ones. I've done, I've, I mean, I've made a lot of things. I think my forge would probably be my favorite. I think just building wise and usage wise. Awesome. Can you tell our listeners what a forge is? 
Well, <laughs> um, a forge is a, it's basically an oven, except it gets way hotter than your standard oven to up to like 2000 degrees. Um, and at that temperature, it turns steel very bright yellow with heat and it's, you hit it and it's fun to make shapes with. Yeah. So it is what um, people you or blacksmiths use to create their art, right? Yeah. The art of smithing, which is actually um, really interesting for this time frame because I don't know how evergreen this will be, but on the second, or excuse me, the first and second of February is um, the Celtic season or holiday, High Holy Day of Imbolc, which is represented by the god goddess Bridget or Saint Bridget, who um, was a part of like smithcraft was actually one of her. Um, her skills as like that she's like the goddess of the triple flame so she invokes fire for transmutation um oh, that's cool yeah which it would be interesting to look her up a little bit because um like that's like what you're doing right is alchemy pretty much so. yeah it's, it's less metallurgy which is the study of metals themselves it would be a little bit more alchemy-ish but it's definitely taking something raw and turning it into an art or a beauty so yeah with your intuition, with your intuition, intention, and brute force. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's fun to hit things. I think that's the baseline of that. <laughs> yeah. Tell everyone what your uh, hoverboard, or I just gave it away. Tell everyone what your um, snowboard design was. Well, it, so I got a snowboard this Christmas, this Christmas, um, and it was painted pink, because uh, I don't know, that was, that was either a joke from my dad, or he genuinely thought I would like it. But I was trying to think about what to paint on it, and I had watched the Back to the Future series recently, and I was like, ooh, what if I did the hoverboard? And so I spent, I think, three days in total taping and spray painting all the, the different pinks and purples and greens and yellows. And my bindings for my boots that I strap into are yellow, too, so it kind of fits the whole vibe. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, if we, um, I don't know if it's on your Instagram, but if we link you to the Instagram later, we'll... Um maybe they can, is there a picture of it on there? Uh, yeah, there is actually. Okay, cool. Yeah. You should definitely check it out, um, to see how talented this young man is. Um, so great and powerful. We are going to talk about alcohol today and, um, just from, you know, your own personal experience. And I really want to give the listeners today a new perspective. Um, a lot of the people that listen to the show, I have children, they've been teenagers. Um, you know, it's, I think as we grow and change our ideas of things grow and change, but I also think that you know, you're, you're a different generation. And I think you're, I don't know a lot about your generation. It's kind of hard to kind of go back and, you know, be part of it. You're also like a really intuitive, um, smart person. And so <laughs> I don't have a very good perspective of what it really looks like. What is the name of your generation called? Does it have a name? Uh, it's, I believe Gen X, although I feel like I'm going to upset some people if I get that <laughs> generation I, meme. We'll just, yeah, call pretty it. much. It's, it's like, it's like the end of millennial, um, to, to generation X, I think. Okay. It's, well, it's very close in that range. We could just call it millennial X. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, <laughs> just combine um, the two. 
Yeah. So just, you know, no, no, there's no right or wrong here. And we're, you know, the whole point of this show is for people to really step into a place of curiosity about their relationship with alcohol and really looking at alcohol from a neutral place, because as we know, alcohol just sits there. It is a naturally occurring thing in the environment, what you do with it and what you think about it are different things, right? So So this podcast is just like all about really exploration and taking your power back, really seem like dropping the story, rewriting it from a perspective that works, works for you instead of, you know, taking away your power. So, um, I wanted to start out by asking you, how early do you think you remember alcohol being present in, in your life or if it was? That's actually an interesting thought because I have a very, very early memory of being, of like sitting in a booth eating food at a restaurant my parents work at. Um, I think I was three or four and I think that's probably the earliest I can remember alcohol being a part of my life, being something that was very prominent uh, that my mom and my stepdad and stuff would talk about or get into or drink, Mm -hmm. I think was definitely that. And I'm sure I probably have earlier memories than that, but that's definitely the most prominent one. Yeah. Do you know, like what you, do you remember kind of what your perception of was it, what your perception was of it at that time? It was, it was, I don't know. I don't think I really thought about it. Cause when you're that age, you kind of have this carefree thought about everything. So I don't really know if I paid much attention to it at that age. I definitely knew it was something that adults drank. Mm-hmm. but it was never really something I paid much attention to attention to. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just go a little bit more on that. So that, that idea of like, this is what adults drink and how present was that kind of concept for you in your life? I mean, even until now, it's pretty prominent. I will say I've definitely had these past few years from some outside influence and just viewing it uh, through my eyes too, that it, it was always just something like when you're 21, you drink. And that was just, no, you never really questioned it. You definitely thought about it. You were like, oh, that's interesting. Like all adults drink that. But it was definitely not something I thought of as weird. It was just how it was. Mm-hmm. Did you, do you remember any influences around you of people like between the distinction of someone that like was drinking and then someone that wasn't? Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely, I've known a lot of people that have gotten really hammered and I've seen, I've seen some things happen. (laughs) I've seen glass get smashed on hoods of trucks. I've seen people pee in the shower, fully clothed. I've, Mm -hmm. I've seen some stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I, I definitely, like I said, like at the, the earlier years, I definitely didn't notice it as or pay much attention to it, but I definitely noticed that, like, there were some people that were just blah, 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 when they would drink, and then there was just some people that would just go insane, <laughs> just get, like, hobo, street hobo-ish. Right, right, yeah, that's so fascinating, and so when you saw that kind of, I mean, it sounds like the blah, 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 and the hobo-ish, neither one of those sound very, like, <laughs> appealing. Um, yeah. <laughs> when you saw that kind of behavior, did you know it was directly related to alcohol? I mean, was that what you were inferred? Uh, no, I don't think it was, at, at least at first, I definitely know now, but I think at first it was more the idea of going to a bar or like going to a restaurant and having drinks. 
Like I think that idea and then like the idea of getting wasted, those two were more prominent to me than it was the alcohol itself. Got it. Yeah. So when you, when you experience those situations, you know, people behaving like that, what, what was that like for you as, as a kid? It was something you, at least from my perspective, I always kind of just, I tried to ignore it as much as possible, I think. And I also, I would always just like turn the other way instead of pointing it out or something. I always just thought like, that's how it is. That's, that's what a Saturday is going to be like kind of a thing. Mm hmm. Did it make you we're going to talk about emotions. <laughs> did you yes. have did you have any emotions around it? Did it make you feel any specific way? Uh, at first, because, you know, like ignorance is bliss when you're young, you, you're young, you don't really like it, you don't pay attention to it. It doesn't bring you an emotion. Right. So at first I never didn't really have emotions to it. Sometimes I would definitely get like like. I felt pitiful sometimes. And I also kind of just was like, why? Like I did, it was just like, like the feeling of not understanding really. Like why someone would choose that or like what was happening? Well, yeah. Like feeling like, or like thinking about like, how does that, how does it, I don't know, just really not understanding why somebody would want to do that to themselves. Like not knowing how it really affected you and like, yeah, I don't know. I never really thought about too much how my emotions were towards it. I think it's just a very dull, I have a very dull sense when I see it or think about it, I guess. Yeah, no. And I mean, there might be some stuff that we talk about that you haven't really thought about. And just because it, you know, it's like you said, you were just kind of ignoring it at the time. Was it something, did you feel um, like your your presence in those situations changed um like safety or anything like that was that something that was compromised or your ability to like connect or get attention or whatever I think safety my parents at least have even when they were drinking were good at trying to keep my safety in mind I do think it maybe slipped a couple of times but not anywhere bad Mm -hmm. I think it was more along the lines of like if there was a whole party and people were drinking it seemed like the kids would either get like all the attention or they would get entirely ignored Mm -hmm. that's always been my experience at parties where you you either like are always talking to somebody or you're off in the corner doing your own thing yeah what did what was that perception like how did that feel um in those situations for a long time, I really thought that was just what parties were like. I, I, I mean, like, who doesn't like a party? But it got to the point where I was like, oh, really? Because I'm like, I don't want to do this. It didn't, it didn't feel good because I knew everybody was going to be partying and drinking. And I was just like, oh, God, it's going to be a shit show. So, so I'm just going to be hanging out. Yeah. I mean, what would like, what would seem like more of an ideal situation at a party type environment? I mean, I've had, I've had, uh, being young and not drinking and like having parties, I've had some parties with friends that I thought was a lot of fun just because it was like, you weren't, you were all, you were there. I think being actually there and like, all like talking to everybody engaged with like everybody going on. I feel like that's how parties should be. Not just like you kind of clump together. I think it should be like everybody's sort of involved. At least that's my experience with some stuff I've done. So, yeah, no, that sounds great. Cause the result of a, I mean, 
the point of a party is to have fun, right? Yeah. And so we, we basically, yeah, me and my friends would just do what we thought was fun and we'd do it for hours and laughing until we lit, until our stomachs hurt so bad that we wanted to throw up. Like, that's what I imagine a party should be like. Yeah. That sounds amazing. And you know, what's so interesting is when I think about that and then uh, parties that I've had, you know, when I was drinking as an adult, I don't think that that ever happened where I was, you know, laughing so hard. And so my perception, and you can tell me what you think about this, of the reason that adults end up drinking is to kind of get back to that childlike, you know, just kind of that lowered inhibitions that, you know, when you're younger, you're kind of able to have more naturally, but takes more, a little bit more vulnerability because we get so conditioned about the ways that we're supposed to act in the world. Um, that like, to do that takes, it does, it takes more, takes more vulnerability, um, to be, be who you are. And, you know, I don't know, but like, it still never like gets to that, like real pure, like joyful place where people are actually having fun. It's just kind of like this illusion of, oh, well now I don't feel awkward, but we're still not laughing until we want to puke, you know what I mean? We're just puking. Yeah. It's like you get back to that, but at what cost you don't feel truly like that. You feel a piece of that, but then there's all this other stuff too about like, I don't know. You just, you, you're not in that, that pure form, I guess. Yeah. Like you said. Yeah, absolutely. Why do you think um, adults choose to drink? Uh, Because of children. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and I think stress, I, I don't, I've always seen people drink cause they're like, they get home from work and they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to crack, crack open a beer or something. Or like after work, they go to the bar and that comes back to that idea too. If it was less so the idea of the alcohol and more going to the bar that caused that behavior. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I've always, I, for a long time viewed it as like, oh, that's just how adults relieve stress. Or that's how they make themselves feel better after doing something stressful. So. Yeah. What is your perspective of that as a form of stress management? I I mean, for a while it seemed like it worked, but then like, <laughs> the day after they're in shitty moods because like hangovers or whatever, or just they they're not happy until they have a drink again, and so it's right. a continuing cycle that like it's like. It's like great for a few hours and then they're in really shitty moods. Yeah. And so I kind of think it's counterintuitive because you're not really relieving the stress. You are just kind of shoving a wall at it until it breaks through again. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely correct. It actually doesn't really, it, it actually puts more stress on our nervous system and our endocrine system and every other system in the body. But like, yeah. you know, I mean, stress is just an emotion. Um, And so it's just like our thoughts about that circumstance that create that idea of stress. And then it, you know, becomes habituated. And so we just continue to believe that that's like what we're supposed to do without pausing. Um, How do you relieve stress? (laughs) Uh, I listen to really intense rock, like old rock music and go out in the garage and work on whatever I can possibly think of and use work on some metal stuff try to come up with a new gadget idea or something I really just enjoy using my hands because when I use my hands it kind of it's like 
going somewhere else for a while. I can spend three, four, five, I can spend days on something and it, it feels like almost no time at all. I get so meditative and into it. It's like time just flies by. And that that's how I seem to relieve stress and it works really well. <laughs> yeah, no, that's amazing. Cause you're real. I mean, would you say when you're doing um, your like blacksmithing work or anything else you're working with your hands, would you say you're having more of like a present moment experience? Yeah, I think the I think the reason why it seems to relieve stress for me is because it, it it allows my mind to work in this way that is almost it's like inwardly. So I'm really thinking about what I could possibly be thinking about. I guess I don't know really know how to describe it. It's like as I'm working through it, I'm thinking to the next steps on, and I'm thinking past that, and I'm thinking about what else I could do. I'm it's like the project kind of envelops my mind and mm-hmm. allows me to kind of release whatever else was causing me stress or tense or anxiety or anything like that. Right. Yeah. So it just becomes not really relevant to life in that moment. Yeah. It, it's like, I don't know. It's like, it's like the key. Like there's some, there's the, you have to get through somewhere to let something out and it just kind of, it's that key that just allows me to get into that mind, mind mindset and mind space. <laughs> right. Yeah. And with no real negative consequences, right? It's true. And like you, you, I mean, I've gotten to, I've gotten some projects that didn't go how I wanted to them and I've gotten pretty upset about that, but then you just move on to something else and then you get into that state of mind and it all sort of goes away. It's like, yeah. I mean, other than like, you know, burning your garage to the ground or blowing stuff, something up. Yeah. There's not really any negative consequences. Right. Which hasn't happened yet. Um, Ish. Ish. Small fires. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Controlled fires. Controlled fires. Yeah. And I mean, how do you take and what do you do when you um, have something that turns out the way you didn't want it to? How do you how do you perceive that? Well, I I don't know. I I, recently I've gotten good at being able to take a deep breath and just kind of spend some time thinking about it or move on to something else for a little bit, just trying to make sure you don't get too many projects you're working on at one time, because that could be dangerous because you end up just so many projects. But then you just come back to it. If you, I've had sometimes, I've had a project that I thought was almost undoable or unfinishable or unfixable. And I just went away for five minutes. I ate some food. I drank some water. I went outside and shot my BB gun. I play with my slingshot. I go forge something and I come back and I know exactly what to do. It's just that mm-hmm. l- allowing your time, allowing time for your brain to think about it really does help. Like your subconscious is extraordinarily powerful. And if you just allow it to do what it does, you can get very, very amazing results sometimes. Yeah, that's great. I love that feedback. That's really powerful. Um, and yeah, good for you to continue to figure out some problem solving skills and everything's like a learning lesson, right? Mm-hmm. You got to pay your tuition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, how, I wanted to ask you, so would you, would you say like the majority of the adults in your life, um, you've seen drink at some point that's been pretty prevalent Definitely, for you and your yeah. family? I mean, almost every adult I've ever met pretty much I've known to drink or seen drink or go to a bar or something it's it's a very uncommon commonplace if that's a good way to put it yeah 
Yeah, that's interesting. And do you, um, have you had any like opposite interaction with that, with any of your peers or friends of families that don't drink? I do know a couple. Um, I, I don't know. It's funny because the generation of their parents seem to have grown up in a time where alcohol was a very accepted thing and it didn't really seem like a bad thing. So it seems like our generation is viewing it almost the same because they don't really show the, the consequences or they don't really speak explicitly about anything bad. So I don't think we get romanticized about it. I think we get more of just this, it's an accepted thing. It's just part of how it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so what do you think, you know, in like in schools and in your peer groups, is that some, is there, is that a topic of discussion at all? Yes. Um, my middle school, especially high school is a little bit less so. Um, but my middle school, especially like me and my friends and I know other groups would talk about it a lot. And it was used as like either the center of a joke or like to tell a story or something. It was always brought up and it was a very prominent subject, I think. In what, like, what do you, in what way? Like it was accepted, but it was constantly talked about like, like walking, like walking is sort of, it's there, it's always accepted, but you talk about it all the time, kind of a thing. Like, so I'm gonna go on this walk, or they walked right. over there, or something like that. Right. So do you mean like, in context of like, hit, like people were actually drinking? I only know new, I knew some stories. And I only knew a couple of kids that were like, Oh, yeah, totally. I'm pretty sure like half of the kids were lying. But I definitely knew that there was some stuff in my middle school. My middle school was not the cleanest middle school and not like physically clean. It just, the group of kids there wasn't <laughs> the cleanest. It it was a little, ugh. And so that's, hasn't been prevalent at all really in, um, in your high school. Like, have you known about people partying or in that I way? Partying, I should say partying with alcohol because you can definitely party without alcohol. Yeah. I do it all the time. Um, yeah, I definitely, there, I know at least one or two kids at my high school that drink. I just, I, I ended up going to a high school that is made so that you focus very hard about your future and your studies. And so it kind of ends up being that everyone is very much into school and like everyone has their thing. All my friends are techies who are coders or they're engineers. I, I I think I'm the only physical engineer, I'm chemical engineer, but they all are so into that. They're just like, I don't know, drinking doesn't make sense to them. Plus right. a lot of my friends have pretty strict parents as is. So. Right. Yeah. Like it would, it would get in the way of the work that they want to do. They're yeah, they're, they're smart enough to know it's not, that's not a good idea. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Um, so what do you think in general, like your percent? Cause I know that like memes are a thing. Um, yeah, yeah. what do you think, what do you think like, as like, in like, of course, this is general, like you don't know everyone, but like in your generation, what do you think the perception of alcohol of alcohol is? And I think you kind of touched on it, but, um, like, what do you see out on like social media and stuff like that? For, you for know, recently, hearing. surprising, surprisingly not. I mean, it's like, you definitely get some stuff pop up about it every once in a while. But in the current trendy memes, I say with quotations, it's not a really prevalent topic. 
Yeah. No, I mean, maybe, maybe people are getting smarter and learning from <laughs> learning from yeah, I mean, in the opposite direction. Right. Yeah. I think there's definitely a lot more widespread information that people are picking up on about it. That seems to be kind of steering in that direction. Yeah. Do you see in, in kind of anything that you follow at all, do you see things to the contrary of alcohol about like sobriety or sober curious or anything like that? Uh, every once in a while, something will pop up, but it's it's definitely in the context of a meme. So I'm not entirely sure if it's like serious or <laughs> right. it's just for the joke. But it definitely it does pop up every once in a while, and it's more it's less so like alcohol itself, and it's more about like drunk people. Like right, drunkers. right. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get a meme for the cover art for this episode for sure. <laughs> uh, I can look for some for you. <laughs> yeah, please. I I have no idea even really where to start with that. Um, tell me a little bit about what you guys, what you've learned in school over the years about alcohol. Uh, you know, elementary school didn't really touch on it a lot. Um, I maybe can think of one instance where they brought it up, but my elementary school didn't talk about it very much. My high school talked about it, um, but we only had a, a month long health class in middle school. Um, so it wasn't. I don't know. It was like a two or three day topic that we brought up and it just talked about like, you know what this does to you, you know what you're not supposed to do if you do end up drinking and what this can possibly do to your body if you do long term drinking and stuff like that. Like all the the basics, very, very informational and to the point and not so experiential, I guess. Mm -hmm. What was your have you guys talked about it in high school at all? High school, definitely. Uh, even just in the two years. Well, so my high school is weird because it only has one health class. So, but in that one health class, we definitely had a month unit on alcohol and drugs. And it talked a lot about like, it can, I don't know that it can mess up relationships sort of. And it's you, like, you have to understand the downsides of this thing and that a lot of stuff can happen with this thing, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, what do you think your biggest takeaway is from, from kind of like your observation in your, in your real life and even stuff that you've learned or seen about, about alcohol just in general? Uh, I mean, I've had, I've had pretty neutral experiences. I've definitely had, like I said before, some negative experiences with it, but it's always been pretty neutral to me. And my, my mom has talked to me about it. She's like, I want to introduce it to you in a way that's, that will not make it something that's sought out, like de-romanticize it. I love that word. It's yeah. Word. It's just, um, to just make it as something. So like when you do turn 21, you're not going to go out uh, on your 21st birthday and drink till you throw up kind of a thing. I want you to always understand it as it's just, it's, I don't know. It's like trying to accept it as your part of life without without giving positive notions to it, I guess. Yeah, no, that's an amazing, uh, that's an amazing viewpoint. Um, because then it's not like this forbidden fruit, right? And I think, yeah, I, I think her idea with that too, is if you make it a forbidden fruit, somebody is going to bite it, and it's going to end up being you if you make it a forbidden <laughs> fruit. So if you don't, if you make it like just another apple on the apple tree, then it's way less likely to be picked kind of a thing. Yeah, no, like it's not that big of a deal. 
yeah, not all to not always draw your mind to it, but just have just think about it in passing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I never really thought about that with the age, um, the age limit, because I know in other cultures, like in Europe, and I don't even know if there's age limits, but I know it's a lot more not, I mean, there's still addiction and, you know, it's still habit forming no matter where in the world you are. But Mm -hmm. if it is kind of like part, I mean, who knows, maybe people start drinking younger there and they, they're just addicted to alcohol for longer. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, if it is just seen as kind of this, like, addition to dinner, then maybe it's like, whatever, like I've, you know, if you're, and again, like you have just seen that, but having that age, um, and then like, you're like, it sounds like, because it wasn't like, um, do as I say, and not as I do, which is what you sounds like your mom's telling you, she's mm-hmm. not telling you do as I say, not as I do. She's saying like, no, this is there. And like, it's really not that big of a deal. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's like, it's something that we have at the dinner table, but it's not weird if it's not there and it's not weird if it's there kind of a thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, what do you, how do you think that you will approach alcohol as you, as you get older? I think personally, um, I have some, I have some outside influence on the fact that I I don't think I'm going to go, like I said, go party out on my first night of my 21st birthday. I think it'll end up being more of, I'm going to try it a few times and I guarantee you, I'm not going to like how it makes my head feel and I'm not going to do it again. But there's also like addictions. Like I drink coffee and I think coffee at first tasted horrible, but now I love it. So I guess the first time you can keep doing it over and over again and it just turns into a thing. So I don't really know. I'll just have to see how it goes really. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. What is, um, what has been your experience with, um, with coffee? I mean, how do you feel like, do you feel like a noticeably like a tangible change? Yeah. I, I mean, I can think about the first time I drank coffee. I was at a coffee shop with my grandpa and he was hanging out with his friends and they were talking and he gave me a sip of his black Americano that had no cream in it. And I was like, oh my God, this is disgusting. Why would you drink this? Right. And I can think about now, I can think about when I go to bed, my thoughts, oh, I'm going to wake up with some coffee. And like, when I get out of bed, you get that little headache from the caffeine. And so you go out and you make your coffee. It's, it's definitely it, it's a, it's a thing I think about a lot. I'm a bit obsessed with coffee. I just, I really like, I wouldn't say the history. I just like coffee in general. Although I have a little vintage espresso machine that my stepdad got me for Christmas that I've been dorking out about. That's awesome. And so, yeah. And honestly, of all the things I possibly could be eating or drinking, I don't really think coffee is that bad. I've definitely learned my limits and I don't go past my limits. And I think it's oh, pretty okay for me. So. Yeah. Tell me about that. How did you have to learn your limits? Um, lots of days of either being extremely burned out because I just blew out my adrenos. I just, you know, you overdo the coffee and you end up actually getting more tired than feeling energized or whatever. Um, and the jitters, I get the jitters real bad if I go over a certain point of coffee. And so if I don't go over that point, then I've, I've learned pretty good. So Yeah, no, that's awesome. What was your, did you have any sort of like technique for like cutting? Was it hard to cut back? 
it wasn't really hard to cut back. A lot of the reason I would get super shaky or I'd get the jitters and like overdo my coffee intake was my parents bought an espresso machine and it was really easy to make. And you think, oh, this little cup of coffee is not bad. And then you drink five of them in the span of like three or four hours and you're shaking and you want to throw up. And you're like, I probably <laughs> should have done that. Well, you're learning at a young age, the consequences. And so, so like now, like if you think like, what's your like cutoff time for coffee for no more coffee? Uh, it, before when I first started getting into it, I would drink these mate energy drinks too, which I'm sure people that listen to this drink those too. Um, but I wouldn't drink anything past noon. Um, and I've, it's slowly been creeping up. I tend to try uh, not to drink any sort of caffeinated beverage past two or three, because I know that I can go to bed by the time I'm supposed to go to bed. Right. Enough. And so I've been learning my limits. I don't think I want to push much past two or three. And like, that's, that's my morning coffee plus like an espresso shot at two or three kind of a thing. Not like a whole other pot of coffee. It's just sure. some little drink I make for myself after school or something. Cause I'm like, ah, yes, I enjoy this. Right. Yeah. So if you no, that's, I mean, and that's great. It's not like you're just downing coffee from mm -hmm. morning till night. Um, so if you, um, and I think just, this is interesting to, you know, curiosity is like, if you like have the thought like, Ooh, a coffee sounds good, but you know that it's like past the time, um, that you like, you've already had your like afternoon espresso. And it's like, what do you, what is your method for staying, staying true to your yourself and true to the course well you know uh staying up till three without with like not being able to fall asleep has definitely helped me learn my lesson uh right <laughs> but i i think it's it's definitely there's a certain amount of will to it because caffeine is definitely something your body seeks out it's definitely it, it's it's kind of an addiction um but i've gotten good at just telling myself tomorrow. Cause I know I'll enjoy it more tomorrow than I do. If I were to have it at like five, I would definitely right. enjoy it a lot more tomorrow morning or like in the afternoon kind of. Right. Yes. Yeah, so you kind of play it forward. Mm -hmm. I, I, I drink it at five to know enough times that I'll enjoy it if I have it tomorrow instead of now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, so smart and amazing. And that's, um, that's something that, um, some of my clients actually have used with alcohol where they have like a 24 hour rule, um, especially at the beginning of kind of, um, dismantling their desire, their actual desire for alcohol, because the desire is strong at first until you start to unlearn the habit and there's time in between. And then it's like, if I like, this is still available to me, right. It's not going anywhere. If I still want this tomorrow or in 24 hours, you know, then I can have it like never having it on that urge, that urge that's outside of like the limit and the boundary you've created for yourself. Yeah. Um, because then that's, that's usually when you have the negative consequences. <laughs> yeah. And I think bringing it up as an urge too, is a good point because an urge is something that happens then at that moment. Um, but if you give it some time, a lot of urges definitely subside. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's interesting. So like, so if you just kind of tell yourself like, no, we're not, I'm not doing this, then it just kind of goes away. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, I mean, it's not like I, I definitely don't tell myself no, but I definitely am like tomorrow and I just wait a little bit. Um, I also, uh, my methods of making coffee are kind of 
they take some time. And so if I want an espresso and I get to the part where I'm grinding the coffee, it's a lot of the time I kind of end it there and just kind of put the coffee away. I'm like, yeah, I don't really need this actually. Yeah, that's, I love that. It's really, it's really smart and really insightful that you are able. And I love that you said, I don't tell myself, no, I just tell myself later. And that's such a empowerment tool for anything we do, because when we say no to our urges or our cravings, that's when like the ego or the habit wants to push back. Um, but if we just kind of like say like, just not now, you know, and we know that it's always a choice, no matter if you never drank coffee again, the option would always still be there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really fascinating comparison. I mean, of course, I don't think many people have, um, you know, hit rock bottom drinking espresso, but, uh, I um, mean, (laughs) I think a lot of the great writers have made a lot of good books drinking more than healthy amounts of espresso and coffee. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's well, and the whole thing is like, we want to look at life as neutral. Like there's all these circumstances in our environments and we get to decide if they benefit us and if they don't and, and how we choose to, to interact with them. Do you think you ever use coffee? Um, as a tool for like you were talking about earlier, like seeing like, Oh, um, adults use alcohol to relax or as a stress reliever. Do you think you ever have used caffeine for that? I mean, it seems counterintuitive, but like to process emotion. I, yeah, I definitely have. I, I wake up in the morning and make my morning coffee and I always like first class I'm drinking my coffee and I, I definitely think about when I'm doing schoolwork before I, after school, before I start the schoolwork, I'm definitely like, oh, I'm going to go make a coffee so I can get through this work a little easier. So I definitely do see it as that. Um, and I definitely have that thought process with it. Yeah. And, um, it's kind of like during like, yeah, it'll support my, it'll support my mood. Like I'll have something to enjoy. Right. Like, yeah. While I'm doing this thing and cause caffeine does change. I mean, as you know, it does change the chemicals in your brain, um, and responds different, you know, different systems in the body respond to it. But I think it's a really, I'm glad that you brought it up because I think it's a really fascinating, not quite the same. Um, you know, like, like, I don't think caffeine destroys relationships and stuff, but it, it definitely, um, is a similar experience. So I'm glad that you're aware of it and you're taking control of your caffeine consumption. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I definitely know though, too, that, Aside from my morning cup of coffee, just because I've gotten into that 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 routine, I definitely could probably get away with drinking decaf the rest of the day. I do genuinely enjoy the taste of coffee now, whether it was a learned thing or not. I definitely enjoy it now. So, yeah, yeah, that's definitely something that people talk about with alcohol. Like, I like the taste, and and as we know, I, I've you know we're not born, we don't come out of the womb drinking wine or drinking coffee, and those so those. <laughs> yeah. are- those acquired tastes, it doesn't mean that you don't actually now like the taste. It just means that it's not a necessity for your survival, right? Like you don't, as much as you, it seems like maybe I do need it. Like, no, I need that coffee in the morning. Like you, you know, it's like you would, if you quit drinking coffee, you would go back to a normal balance, right? Yeah. I've, I've gone to school a couple of times without having time to make my coffee. And it was, it was, it was kind of an awful day, but I definitely made it through my day. So. 
Yeah. Tell me about that. What was, how did that feel having like knowing that there was like this thing that you couldn't consume that made your, made you feel not great? I'll admit I, it, it, it made me think about nothing but getting home to make coffee or when I would go into a classroom, I would like look and see if a teacher had a coffee machine that I could use. I definitely <laughs> was a little, I was a little obsessed and hyper-focused. Now I've gotten better about being able to kind of take a deep breath and just, I don't know, allow myself to have a headache, I guess. But I did that first few times I was definitely a little obsessed. Yeah. Well, and it's really interesting. And this is just, you know, a perspective from someone that, you know, was addicted to alcohol is that, um, imagine that. And, and it's so great that you said, you know, I eventually after a couple of times I was able to allow myself to take a deep breath and just like, let it go. Right. Mm -hmm. Like knowing like it's okay, but imagine that with like an even stronger chemical, um, addiction and yeah, I, I can't even imagine that if, yeah. if I think yeah I thought coffee was bad but I definitely definitely know alcohol is a lot worse than that yeah and you know and then with like more negative consequences too on the other side of yeah. it oh so. um has it ever been my like I think kidney I don't really think coffee is hurting my body that much yeah and it sounds like you it sounds like you have good control over it you know stay hydrated yeah, I think it's I've I think I'm going on four years now and it took me a good two, three years to understand my limits and know what I can and can't do in that respect. Yeah, it's well, it'd be really fascinating moving forward thinking about that and um being able to be so so um in the place of observation, because it sounds like you really have been, like you were able to see when you're when it kind of shifted for you to become kind of more than just the coffee, but more of a habit, right? Yeah, it went it went from I'm gonna go down to like Dutch Bros or Starbucks with my friends get a coffee to I use coffee to wake up in the morning kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's also something that's like totally um a cultural story too, right? Yeah. It's coffee. It's... I mean, I think that's like I was listening to something, this guy that makes that this thing called mud water. You may have seen an ad for it. I've seen the commercial, yeah. Yeah. And he was like, it's just like something like 90% of Americans are addicted to coffee or something like that. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, I definitely know that uh my alcohol changing alcohol for me has changed how I've looked at my coffee consumption for sure. Um so would you say that um in any way the the imp the the the, it, would you say that this, the information that you got from school about alcohol, like the, the dangers or just like the, just like what, what the education about it was, was useful at all? Well, at first it was definitely told to us that like alcohol is bad and you should, like you shouldn't drink and drive, but like if you never drink and drive, you should not go out and like party with it. Uh, that was definitely the middle school view, but as I went into the high school view of it and we did the unit on alcohol, it was, I think they're starting to realize they need to have a bit more of that don't make it a forbidden fruit mentality. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was helpful in a way that definitely made it less sought out, I think, for us. I think it made it so we didn't want to like think about it all the time until we turned 21, I guess. We just kind of have it as it being there. <clears throat> Do they lump it into categories with other drugs? Yes, they they 
heavily spent a day talking about alcohol, but it was the the unit as a whole was definitely focused on alcohol and drugs and viewing alcohol as a drug, which you know it is. Yeah. Um, it was not it was not put really into its own category. It was put into this this substance changes your mind category. Yeah. So one day on alcohol, a month total, like on el- drugs and alcohol, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. I because that that was the the year the year all year class basically. So it was. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Do you see alcohol as any different from other drugs? And I mean, I guess I'm putting those in the category because um, in the state of Oregon, um, marijuana or THC and its other f- cannabis forms are legal. Um, do you see? what do you see as a difference of alcohol and other drugs, I guess, if we want to put it all into a category? So I personally, I don't feel like uh, THC and CBD and stuff like that should be put into the same category as alcohol, I guess, Mm -hmm. because personally, I've had a lot of really good experiences with like my grandparents or my, my, my parents, my mom, my dad, everybody has it, it, they, it was a recreational thing, but there's also this sort of underlying story of how it helped my mom's back pain or it helped my grandpa be able to live his life a little bit better and not, I don't know, have a little bit better of a mindset on life, even if it was something sort of changing his mind to be like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I view alcohol as this thing that makes people crazy and changes like almost indefinitely how that person acts and in like other drugs too, like God knows how many you could possibly name of drugs that people think of as party drugs that just change how you are or make your body feel certain ways. Like, I, I don't know. I, mm-hmm. yeah, there's definitely, there's a lot. So. Yeah. So like the, 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 except the, basically that the socially ex- the social acceptance of alcohol is really just like something that someone decided on was okay it definitely seems like someone one day was like oh yes this is okay for everybody especially too with like the marijuana and cbd stuff like that too was probably just someone was like oh yes this is we're suddenly going to decide this is bad like that i don't know yeah. i think i actually kind of think about that a lot like you get you can get more help and you can get you can actually change people's lives in a good way with marijuana but all you pretty much end up just ruining somebody's life with alcohol or kind of putting a dark corner yeah yeah no i think it's a great perspective to have because it's really looking at facts i mean we know that there are a lot of benefits of cannabis um, that have helped with medical conditions. Um, yeah. do you think that people that do you think that pe- people can get form a habit and an addiction with, with marijuana, with like cannabis also? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I, I mean, I haven't seen personally much of that, but I definitely know it can happen. Mm-hmm. And I have a couple of views on that perspective, like, but I, I also think I don't know, from what I've heard and people talk about, cannabis seems to be this thing that is, it like definitely puts you in this mind space, but the way that it puts you in this like headspace doesn't, doesn't seem to me like it, it would be able to cause a super strong addiction like alcohol does. Cause Mm -hmm. it it makes you from like what people talk about, it's like, it just, I don't know. That's a, it's an interesting topic, I guess. Like you won't be peeing in the shower. shower. 
you'll be laying on the couch looking at the ceiling eating a bunch of food and i think uh for cannabis like the getting the munchies thing that seems like the only downside to me really and like having getting like paranoid or whatever i hear people talk about too like i guess that could be a downside definitely right what do you think about just like the fact of like using it just to alter your mind or like use it for emotion like as something like to buffer emotions I've only had a little bit of experience with that. And I guess I think about it, like, I don't think people should use it to buffer their emotions. Uh, And I also think too, (laughs) cannabis can end up kind of strengthening those emotions. Mm -hmm. So you don't really hear, I mean, you definitely hear people talk about like, I use this so that I didn't have to worry about this. But then Mm -hmm. like, there's also this segment of people that was like, I used cannabis for this and it was terrible kind of. Right. Like it, it did not make me feel any better. Right. Um, so do you see any benefits? I mean, from your perspective of alcohol? Other than as an antiseptic and as a cleaner? No, I don't. I I don't, I don't think it's, it's not, it messes up your human body because it messes up it. Like when you sleep, it can mess up your natural sleep cycle with like, like clean, like keeping your brain nice and healthy and stuff. And it, it also like, I don't, I don't know if it's your like kidneys or appendix, but it like wrecks your kidneys, I think. And liver. And so liver. and liver. Yeah. I think especially the liver. I think that's what I'm actually thinking of. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it doesn't do good things to the liver. <laughs> well, and what I've heard too, is it can, it, it increases blood flow, which in some cases is good, but I think with the circumstances, that's probably not good for the human body to be like that, like a forced sort of flushing of the body, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Having it in your system like that. Yeah. It's kind of a, um, like the element of fire. And so, I mean, and this is so fascinating. I was talking to one of my, um, friends who's an alchemist. Well, she calls herself an alchemist. It's like, she's like works with plant allies and she, and that's why people are like quote unquote angry drunks because it's like the fire element comes in, but then like the emotions are so out of balance that then like by the end of the night, you know, people will be like, I love you, man. And like, you know, like it has like the water element of the emotions to like douse that like raging fire, which it doesn't always come out as anger, but it can come out as like, you know, that big party, like, woo. And then people by the end of the night are all crying. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that's a kind of a, it's kind of a dramatic example, but I've seen it. Like I've seen it a lot, really. Yeah. Um, I, I think if you've seen it a lot, it's probably a pretty cool. <laughs> so moving forward in your life, if you were, you know, hanging out with your peer group or how do you think you'll handle the presentation of alcohol? I mean, really, regardless if you're 21 or not, I mean, I don't know if that means anything to you, like the legal part of it. So when you're faced with, um, with like alcohol, yeah. Tell me about that. If you think that it really matters if you're 21 or, or not. I think my personal view on it is everybody sort of matures at their own rate and ends maturing at their own rate. And I guess you also really never stop maturing. You're always sort of growing and gaining and learning and changing how you are. Um, but I do think, I think the 21 thing is a good starting point. I don't think people should use it as, oh, as soon as I turn 21, I can drink. I think they should use it as, now that I'm 21, this option is available to me. I think mm-hmm. that's more how it should be viewed. 
Yeah. So if you're, if you're friends or you like you work, cause I mean, you know, you're getting older and you'll probably once you can leave the house again. Um, yeah. <laughs> I feel oh so bad for all the kids in high school right now. Um, but once you're, you know, going and hanging out more, do you, and like, if that's like introduced to you, how do you think you'll respond to it? I think, I think I'm definitely going to wait until I'm older. And I think uh, just to say, I, I also don't think it would be fair to say I would entirely wait till I was 21. I think it would be more fair to say I would view it sort of on the fence until I was 21. And then probably thereafter, I don't think I personally, I'm spacey as is. And I think adding drinking to being spacey as hell would not be a good idea. And like, I guess with the coffee thing too, like I know I'm going to overdo it sometimes and I'm going to learn my limits, whether I learn them fast or it takes me 10 years, I'm going to learn the limits. So, mm -hmm. um, so based on like what you know though about alcohol and knowing that it doesn't really have any real benefits, do you have like a desire to find out the hard way for yourself? I don't have a desire to find out the hard way. And I think a lot of people don't really have the desire. I know a lot of my peers there's a lot of things where they're like, I know this and I don't really want to get hurt or screw my screw self up to learn the hard way. Um, but in some cases, I guess learning the hard way really is like the only option. Um, I think if it was presented to me, I would be like, mm, yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. Right. Well, because you I mean, you've seen how attractive it makes people, right? Yeah. It, yeah. I think the horrible taste it has probably would throw me off the first few times, but you know, the coffee thing happened. So I don't see any reason why the alcohol thing can't happen. Yeah. It's well, I will tell you from personal experience, it is a lot. Well, you know, like you can function on coffee, right? Like you can go to work you can take care of your children. Yeah, you, you still function. And with the alcohol, it seems like you kind of stop functioning at a certain point. Yeah. And I mean, that limits, it is different for everyone. And, um, but, we've got, but again, and like, that's like human nature, you know, we are as humans, we want to know, right? We, we're curious. Yeah. Um, Curiosity killed the cat. That's, that's what it's saying exists. Yeah. Um, but with like, no, you know, no seeming benefits, like, except for relieving quote unquote stressors, um, you know, it will be, it'll be curious to see, you know, for yourself, like, or, you know, and I mean, I really think too, you know, from kind of what you're talking about with your generation that even though it doesn't seem like there's been the education is sounds like pretty, pretty weak, um, around yeah. in school, it sounds like your mother is doing a good job. Um, but the, you know, like socially, I, I mean, I just know from my own experience in, in this, on the other side of it, um, and not really like in like a, in like a rehabilitational way or like alcohol counseling, but in more of like a movement of alcohol becoming not drinking, becoming more of the obvious choice, because like as a, as a culture and as a human race, we're actually ex moving towards expansion yeah. of consciousness and, you know, with everything that you just talked about that you're really interested in, um, you know, what can happen is the reason that, you know, 
adults use alcohol to have a quote unquote good time is because their expansion starts to contract. And so, um, and then in what happens chemically in the brain is that getting to those states of natural pleasure and natural joy because of the extreme uh, flood of chemicals, the pleasure chemicals, it's, it's really hard until you kind of reverse the whole thing to have that natural experience of fun and joy on your own. So it really takes, it takes that actually the access, the the ability to do that naturally, it kind of like kills that until you start to, um, start to do something different. And you've, you've probably witnessed it in adults where like once they literally even have like one drink or even like order a drink that their moods change already. Yeah. So it'll be, it's just something to be mindful of as you obviously move forward and into your growing years. Um, Go ahead. I know that humans as a race fundamentally don't like to be bored. And I think alcohol allows humans to be active without doing a lot. It seems like it kind of, it kind of erases that idea of being bored. And so it, it, yeah, I think that's, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff about it. (laughs) Yeah, no. And that's fascinating. I'm actually doing an episode on that about loneliness and boredom. And so what would you say to someone that's like using alcohol to replace boredom? Because like, really, if you're just drinking, but nothing else is changing, you're just like, still say like, watching TV or whatever, and you're bored. Like, you're not really doing anything. So what would you what would you say is an antidote for boredom for people? I think the I think well there definitely exists one for drinking and that's like the drinking buddy going out with your friends and I think using drinking as a way to go hang out with your friends as a start is a good idea. I think though it devolves into your home alone watching TV drinking a ginormous glass of wine or straight from the bottle and so <laughs> it I I've seen it happen. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think you can go out with your friends and bond with your friends without drinking? Oh, definitely. I mean, if I can do it now, I'm almost positive I can do it into the future. Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, (laughs) of course you can. And guess what? You get to develop even more intimate relationships with them because you're being you're fully, fully yourself. Yeah, I mean, I know I've heard some stories about uh, like my grandparents having drinking buddies and they would go to the same bar and they would talk for five or six years and they never learn their name. Like that seems insane to me. Yeah. And the same stories over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, exactly. Um, plus there's like only so much that happens at a bar sitting down, right? Like, yeah. Or unless you're like really into sports. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, that, and that's something to bond over. You can bond over too without drinking. Yeah, I mean, yeah, my stepdad and all his friends came over the other day and they drank pretty minimally and they were having a grand old time (laughs) watching sports. Yeah, that's awesome. It's so, I mean, it's good that you have to see that, that influence too, that people are just can hang out. And um, so what would you, what would you say to adults about drinking and having children? Uh, I, I personally think I think drinking when you have children isn't a good idea. And I mean, my parents drank and I guess I turned out fine, but I think 
at that point, I don't really, I don't, it's not a good idea. You're, 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 you're negating your ability to make, to make situational uh, decisions. And so you end up making bad decisions or just not making any at all. And so you end up sort of ignoring your children sometimes, or you can end up not, I don't know, getting them hurt or something. I've seen some bad things happen with that. And so I just don't think it's a good idea if you have children to go out to a bar drinking until you, you're falling over, <laughs> even just a little too. Yeah. And what you kind of had joked earlier about like adults drink because they have children. Um, in some cases, I really do think that is the case. I, I definitely have some friends that are like, I'm almost positive my parents drink because I exist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how does that make, how would, how does that make you feel? Hey, I, yeah, well, that one, every time I hear it sort of makes me like, that's just terrible. It's awful. <laughs> like, and sometimes too, it's not, it's not just to the child. It's like, schoolwork or how they act outside of school or how they act in school it's not necessarily the child itself mm -hmm. it's the behavior that creates stress and then that comes back to that stress relieving idea yeah yeah something about like they that the parents are making it mean something about them um, yeah rather than just accepting people for who they are right yeah or 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 like sitting down and talking and trying to get to the bottom. They sort of just let it go on. Right. <clears throat> yeah. So, so yeah, drinking and children, <laughs> not a great idea. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I think that that's, I think it's something valid to kind of think about that, that I know that I didn't, I didn't think about until it was very obvious to me how influential um, I was on my son at such a young age that he, whether or not he was expressing it and he was, but whether or not, you know, it was seen as, as negative or even harming him, that I was still going to be the main influence for being ex an example of what was possible. Right. Yeah. Well, like children pick up their parents' habits and like their, their emotions and like ways that they speak or talk or they act with other people. And I think if, if that, if the kid is ex only really experiencing the adult when they are drinking or when they are buzzed or drunk or whatever, I think that will end up giving that, 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 that like emotion or thought process without actually even being drunk sort of just that idea that that's okay that's how it should be mm. mm -hmm. yeah it's a good thing to think about there's a lot you know they don't they don't really teach you about certain things they let anyone have kids <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and i don't think more children should be born yeah <laughs> it's a side topic yeah that's another that's another that's another podcast altogether oh man um, yeah so I'm going to ask you a couple things about yourself just to get you thinking about your future and what's important. What do you think your definition of success is? I think I've had some, some shifts on my view of success recently, actually. And my, my idea of success is you moving forward in your life. You definitely, in some cases that does involve maybe getting a certain amount of work done or getting a certain amount of money, especially in the world we live in too, where those are sort of 
how it runs. But mm -hmm. I think ultimately success is advancing in what you would want to do and what you think is best and what you have the drive to do or what, or yeah, it would, yeah, I think that's, that's, a, that's what I view it as. Yeah, I love that. Do you think that um, the alcohol has any um, motivation um, or benefits for achieving success? No, because all the stories I've heard or experienced about people drinking is kind of, they, it's like they always end up sort of just locked in that moment instead of trying to get past something or get mm. to something they sort of lock themselves in that time. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I like that kind of visual too, of like, just like not moving forward. We're just kind of repeating the same thing over and over again. Yeah. So, I also which, don't think it's like they go backwards. So I guess that's kind of a plus. It definitely is. They're just like, they're stuck. They're just there now and they don't go yeah. much further. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that definition of success, like just moving forward in a way that feels good for you. Like, just the next best thing, right? For you, yeah. like personal satisfaction. And when you're, when you're drinking and you're stuck in that, that day-to-day, -day, like 24 hour cycle, it's hard to make the, like that step. So yeah, that's really, that's really interesting. I like that perspective a lot. Um, what do you see as your biggest obstacle for achieving what you want most in your life right now? Um, I have I've always had a problem with school I think I have a problem with authority which is funny though because <laughs> I, I, well it's funny though is because I like I like following rule like I go to work with my dad who does construction stuff and like uh, on top of like enjoying that as is I enjoy being told like go do this and this and this and being given a list like I enjoy that so mm -hmm. I guess yeah. And I, I've always just had a problem with school as early as I can remember. I think I've always sort of disliked it as much as humanly possible. So it's, it sounds like being in your seat is something different than like, here's a list, go, go make something happen rather than yeah, it's like that, that ideology of you sit in class all the time and you do your work. I think too, like, I like making things that end up having like a physical result or like, have some sort of an actual impact on like my existence. And I guess that's very, very uh, physical, but I guess I live as a very physical person in school. A lot of the time, the projects are just like papers. Like I enjoy writing, but it ends up just being like a paper you turn in. Somebody gives you a grade and it gets thrown in the trash after that. Right. Yeah. So it's not really accommodating for all learning styles. Yeah, I definitely school systems have this standardized thing that I'm learning that is just, it's not accommodating. And even schools that try so hard to accommodate to everybody seem to miss the point of like, you should ask the child how they should learn. You should like actually look at their interests and build a learning system or just even adapt your learning system to that. Have like, have a unit but then have like three different options. One being like a physical thing, one being like a writing thing, one being some sort of an art thing, like mm -hmm. having the ability to branch that off in a way to kids that will be able to suit them all individually, but also be able to keep within the school system is how I feel like school should be moving more towards. Wow. Maybe, um, maybe in the future we'll have a system where they actually get 
the input from the student body about how they would best be, you know, their time would be best spent. <laughs> yeah, my school has kind of a, a, a doofus for a counselor, but he listened or for a, 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 a what is it called? Principal? Uh, a principal, that's what it's called. Um, but he listens to us and that's awesome. And I, I, li I go to a really small school where there's only like two, 300 kids. And so input from even like 10 kids is very powerful being able mm -hmm. to move and change the system. Well, that's good. That's positive. Yeah. yeah I think we'll see a big shift in the school system um, in the future. Maybe not in my time life, but I do think we need more diversity for more types of learners and more, you know, different types of just like cultural and socioeconomics and all of those things affect our ability to, you know, the ways in which we learn. And so yeah. it's just, it's not really, it's not a great start if, you know, out in the world, if that's not, if you're not standardized, right? Yeah. Um, I think if you're, if you're, telling all the kids to do the same assignment i think you're doing something wrong I right that's a good way to sum it up is if you're telling all the kids to do the same thing there's something wrong yeah no i mean it makes total sense it, it doesn't seem to set you set us up for the diversity of different types of work you know work that's out in the world um yeah i just kind of wanted to get your final thoughts just from your own personal experience of what what have you like what you've seen as possible for like with alcohol like the downsides of it if you if someone was struggling that's listening to this which they probably would be like alcohol is causing them some pain or some form of pain would you have any um, have any advice for them based on your own personal experience of what you've seen? I think I would say I would go do something borderline outside of your comfort zone. I I started snowboarding pretty recently, and and I, being able to do that has made me feel amazing. And learning that doing something that's pretty pretty. I mean, scary. Like I, I skateboarded before then, so it wasn't like completely new to me. But doing it, it made me feel very alive. It sort of, it sort of changed my mindset, I guess, in like a way that was like, I don't need anything else. If I could just do this, I'd feel awesome. Or doing it as something just mm -hmm. makes me feel awesome. And I think you should, you should leave the booze at home and go out and do something you think would be awesome or do something that you know is awesome. And I think that that will that will feed that that desire for humans not to be bored and that mm -hmm. that that always be thinking about something, having something to always think about that is useful, like have a book that you want to read, always think about a book, like watching a movie, building mm -hmm. stuff, like anything that just gets your mind working outside mm -hmm. of any sort of influence from drugs or even just other people. I think that's people, more people should do that. Yeah, that's really great advice. And it sounds like with snowboarding, it really connected you to kind of like being alive. Yeah, it made me feel very human in the fact of like, you feel you feel like you can like feel your blood through your, you, you just feel so good. You're so in control of your whole body. You can feel every muscle. You can sense how your angles, your your ankles are tilted. You can feel your balance, your center of body. You feel your body to like the fullest you possibly could when you're doing stuff like that. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And um, I know for a lot of people, one of their 
one of their um, struggles is, you know, the mental part of it. And um, do you, do you believe it's that it's possible for anyone to change their relationship to alcohol? Oh, certainly. And like I said, like, I think if you go out and do something that you, like I said, do something awesome, or just go out and do something that you truly feel like you, you want to do, and that you feel like you should do, it will inevitably change your thought process because Mm -hmm. it'll like, if you want to, if you want to, you do like models for as a hobby Mm -hmm. and you want to build this really rad car, car, car kit that you bought for like 200 bucks, you're not going to want to drink because you know, if you drink, you're probably going to end up on the couch or you're going to end up breaking this $200 model you've been saving your money for, or that you really want. And Mm -hmm. so I think inevitably it will end up either you're way down in the dumps on the couch or you get your ass up and you work on that project and you learn that if I drink, this is not going to turn out as cool as it possibly could. Yeah. I love that idea of, I talk about this a little bit with my clients of transferring your desire for alcohol into something that actually creates value in your life. Right. And that's kind of what you've been saying this whole time of just like, I process my, you know, you process your emotions when you go to do something that feels valuable to you. And when you feel like you're actually making something, you're doing something, you can feel your, you can feel your aliveness and, um, alcohol is really the opposite of that. So it can kind of be scary to come out of that dissociation from ourselves. that numb, you know, that numbing. Um, but I think once you start to get your blood pumping in that beautiful way of really connecting to life that, um, you see very quickly that the other way was always just kind of a fallacy. And, um, Yeah. yeah. So it's really about saying yes to something new. Yeah, I think that, yeah, definitely. I've been doing that a lot lately. I've been going on some pretty miserable hiking trips that I just had to say yes to, and it ended up being some of the best experiences of my life. I love that. Well, you heard it here, folks. Got to get your blood pumping. (laughs) Go say yes to something new. So um, great and powerful. I know that you have an Instagram where you share some of your creations. Um, If you want to tell us what that is, and we'll put it in the show notes, people can check you out. Uh, It is, if it can go wrong, it will, which is a very (laughs) fitting name for a lot of the projects that end up on there. Um, There is periods in in between each word and to help separate the, if it can go wrong, it will, there's an underscore. Okay. So I think you should just look at the show notes because it's kind of a bit complicated and long, but you know. <laughs> well, and what I love about that, that name too, is not taking yourself too seriously. And I think that um, we could all benefit a little bit more from that too. So yeah. Well, thank you for your knowledge and your wisdom at such a young age, you're doing amazing. And um, with all of the possibilities and dreams that you have, I think you'll be that you will, you will know the right choice when it comes to, um, to making decisions around alcohol for yourself. So, yeah, no, I, I, I think I'll have a, a pretty good idea about it by the time I reach that point. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. It was awesome to chat with you. Yeah, it was nice to chat with you too. Okay. Bye. Hey, if you are loving this podcast, you are definitely ready for the next step. 
I would love to invite you to learn my three shifts process to interrupt any craving and get you started on your journey to finding freedom from alcohol. All you need to do is click the link in the show notes or on my website, marywagstaffcoach.com to schedule a private call with me. You will leave the call with the tools for success and feeling confident and excited about entering into your new phase of life. And it's completely free to you. I look forward to connecting.